COP27 has seen three busy days since we last spoke, with November 11 perhaps being one of the most important days on the agenda. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from Dr. Sebastian Thomas, QIC's climate and environmental lead, who is in Sharm el-Sheikh for COP27, sharing his insights from the on-the-ground conversations that he's having. I'm Katrina King, General Manager of Capital Solutions at QIC. So, Sebastian. It's a lofty goal and topics for decarbonisation. How did you find the day panned out and what was your sort of key takeaway about decarbonisation as an asset class for investors? Hi, Katrina. It's been very busy. It's, it's hot. The sky is very, very blue, but there is a lot happening. And I think my key takeaway is the, the speed at which partnerships between different sectors are emerging and, and growing. Decarbonisation is the, the larger conversation that we're all having, but something that strikes me now is how we're talking about not just emission reductions or, or carbon offsets and so on, but the governments and civil society are obviously focused on decarbonisation for various critical scientific um, and social reasons. But the private sector is starting to understand and and lead the conversation about decarbonisation as almost a, an asset class of its own. And so how, how, how that ties to this, this idea of public and private partnerships is this. The conversations that are happening at COP are about all of these complex things, reducing emissions in a particular sector, whether that's oil and gas or agriculture, finding ways for communities to adapt to the ongoing impacts of climate change through nature-based solutions or um, changing their livelihood practices and so on. And then we're also dealing with issues of sovereign debt. We're also dealing with issues of technology transfer. We're also dealing with issues of sustainable development. And so what I mean by decarbonisation as an emerging asset class is that we're starting to see governments coming together with industry coalitions to work with community and civil society groups to say what are the shared ambitions and how can a carbon focus bring those together so we might have a government saying we don't have the fiscal space to invest in adaptation for our people because we have so much debt that we have to service we have the private sector coming to the table and saying we are prepared to take on some of that debt if we can see that the investment is going to go into these particular outcomes around decarbonisation of your, your industrial processes or your agricultural sector. And then governments are saying and will support that private finance flow um, with public finance if we can see um, adaptation outcomes and social development in hand with that. And so if that makes sense, what I'm seeing here is the different sectors, civil society, government, the private sector and finance coming together to say we share a larger ambition about sustainable futures. Um, we have separate and particular priorities and capabilities from our own perspectives. How do we put those together and create uh, partnerships that will realise our outcomes across them. Interesting. And and this is, you know, decarbonisation is obviously a wicked problem, but what you've just 
painted there is some of the puzzle pieces actually coming together and falling into place, Sebastian. Too much, um, too much carbon to offset, uh, not enough money, and sometimes the money in the wrong places. But perhaps through these PPPs, we can start to make that fit together. Just um, one other question from Decarbonisation Day. I know that there were a few panels on the rules about carbon markets. Is there anything there that you uh, think is worthwhile updating on right now? There is. I think um, this is uh, another part of that that puzzle, that wicked problem that we've just been talking about. We're now in a, a moment in sort of climate negotiation, 27 cops in to, to this process, where we are getting right down into some really specific details. Um, the Paris Agreement, which was established in uh, 2015, uh, is, is the sort of landmark um, protocol or agreement that has replaced the Kyoto Protocol going back to 1997. Under the Paris Agreement, we are creating rules and systems for a whole bunch of things, but specifically under Article 6 of the Paris Agreement, we're talking about carbon in the international market context. So the Paris Agreement has, in its Article 6, the Paris Agreement has three key subsections. 6.2 talks about how countries can trade carbon between themselves. 6.4 talks about um, how private sector actors can be involved in global carbon markets. 6.8 talks about how um, we can have non-market approaches to carbon and, and trade those. So if you like, the co-benefits around um, carbon reduction activities. So under Article 6, the parties at the moment are diving into the absolute weeds of, of how we go about generating units, carbon reduction units and removal units, if you like, potentially to be used as offsets in domestic regulation, potentially to be traded in secondary markets, and potentially to be used to inform some of those other non-carbon outcomes, if you like, around adaptation, around livelihoods, around sustainable development. So one of the um, one of the details that's being worked out at the moment is is around what are the authorised units? Who authorises the units? This is Katrina King, General Manager of Capital Solutions at QIC, and I'm talking with Dr. Sebastian Thomas. Sebastian is in Sharm el-Sheikh and is sharing his on-the-ground insights from COP27. He's just spoken about decarbonisation day, and we're going to now look a little bit further into the Australian market, particularly as we think about the intersection of Article 6 and 8 and what our robust uh, market might mean for also biodiversity credits and other offsets. I think in many respects, the Australian market, the Australian carbon market is, is reasonably robust in terms of the, the, the rules and procedures and methodologies that we have in place. Now, as I think everybody is aware, it's not a perfect um, jurisdiction at this point. It's not a perfect market. There are issues to be worked out. Uh, and the Chubb review that's underway is going to, I think, be a, a step change in terms of um, addressing some of the issues around rigor or additionality in, in particular methodologies um, and also making recommendations around how the market is structured. So there's there are there are things to be worked out in the Australian market that will improve it and make it stronger. But at the same time we have a uh, we have a robust industry around 
carbon markets in Australia. We have an industry association, the Carbon Markets Institute. We have a code of conduct for the carbon market industry in Australia. So when it comes to Paris uh, Agreement Article 6, particularly 6.4, uh, which is about private sector involvement in carbon markets, you know, I think that we're well placed to engage. Um, and as the details get worked out, I think that 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 good positioning that we have gives us a bit of a first mover advantage, if you like. So that as as soon as a particular um, set of details is is worked out, then we'll be ready to move. But it makes good sense for those of us that want to participate in private carbon markets to stay close to the negotiations and to stay close um, to the understanding of the rules and regulations as they get confirmed and finalised. Excellent. No, it's certainly a very exciting time for all market participants to be playing at the beginning of, of what could be one of the larger markets that we were going to be trading over the next century. And I've taken um, some really important points away from um, the couple of days that you've had, particularly to be thinking about decarbonisation more as an asset class to be efficiently dealing with the problem, but also the investment opportunity that that gives. I like your tip to stick close to the developments in the carbon market um, and to stick close to those Paris Agreement negotiations is going to be vitally important for all those that want to participate in the market. But then um, to look at the you know, development of the Australian market as well um, and, and how it will be heavily influenced by the discussions underway. Um, I'm Katrina King, speaking with Dr Sebastian Thomas, GIC's Climate and Environment Lead, uh, reporting on the ground from COP27. Uh, Sebastian, instead of asking you for your fun tip of the day today, I have a quote for you. I put my money on solar energy. I hope we don't want to wait till oil and coal run out before we tackle that. Do you know who said that? Was it, was it recently said, Katrina? It was 1931, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, that's the But thank you very much for your time today. I can only take those words from Thomas Edison and get cracking on them, I think. Um, I look forward to speaking well, to you Let's get cracking. <laughs> Thanks, Katrina. Bye-bye.